Welcome to the Evolved Athlete Podcast, where the best in the biz come to talk all things fitness, nutrition, overcoming challenges, to helping you on your journey to greatness. Let's dive into today's episode. Welcome. Welcome to the Evolved Athlete Podcast. We are here with a special edition of the podcast today with one of my great friends, and she's one of my athletes, and she's an absolute inspiration to everyone around her. She has her own business and leads people to greater habits and greater lives every single day. She's also here to talk about something very, very important and bring the awareness of endometriosis out to the masses. We have the one, the only, the Evolved Coach, Megan Cook. Hi, Megan. Thank you so much for coming. How are you? Good morning. I'm pleased to be here. And thank you for that red carpet introduction. You know how to really rile the crowd up. Oh, I, so you, you should see me when I'm in the classroom. I mean, the students look at me like he is the great, the kid, they look at me like a deer in headlights. <laughs> I'm like, what is no, he talking about? <laughs> who is this weird guy who does like Star Wars and Goofy movie impressions? What a weirdo. But anyway. <laughs> Goofy movie impression. I have not heard that one. Oh, oh, they're fantastic. Maybe when we're off the air. Hey, okay. <laughs> but overall, Megan, if you could please, you know, I know all about you, but so that our audience can know you just a little bit more, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, what your history is. Um, tell us a little bit about your business that you have going on, and then we'll dive into our scene for today. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I am a uh, personal trainer and fitness coach from the East Coast. Um, the brand that I work with is called Princess Protein. It's all about taking women and making them stronger because my personal journey actually had to go through like gaining weight and building muscle. So I really like to speak to that audience. So it's kind of a little fun play on the name. But outside of fitness and nutrition, I'm someone who grew up with a very musical background. I love to sing. I love to play instruments. And I'm really into like hiking and traveling. And so being able to have a business that allows me to do all the things I love has been so transformative and it makes me happy. And I'm like excited to watch it grow and continue to grow. But through the journey of my own personal fitness, I discovered that I have what we're going to talk about, what's called endometriosis. And um, I don't know how much you want me to get into like the history of it. Do you want me to start kind of? At we're, the we're, so so we're going to go through. So just for all those out there who are interested in what endometriosis is and how this impacts women worldwide is it's a chronic and debilitating condition. We can pretty much just define it as that where the tissue that normally lines the inside of the uterus, that endometrium grows outside of it, causes pain, inflammation, and oftentimes scarring with inside the uterus of a young woman or women who is up to the age of 40. Um, but it can affect the women of any age who are menstruating. And that's that's the key factor there. Uh, and I think as we we can start to see a lot of connections with potential societal changes that have occurred over the years with diet and certain uh, things that are, you know, that we ingest in ourselves, what's causing these things to happen? Because I, I started to look into some of the theories behind well, what causes it. And it's unknown um, as far as what actually causes this disease. And unfortunately, there is no cure. And we only have to have certain treatment approaches that could potentially help with this. Um, so as far as I'll, I will just go, go over one theory real quick is that potentially when a woman goes through menstruation, it's the, the containing the endometrial cells flow back through the fallopian tubes that could actually cause that issue that ca it causes them to implant and grow in the areas outside of the uterus that include over the ovaries, the fallopian tubes, bladder, and even the bowel. Um, and so, whereas it could also do to just spread through the bloodstream and lymphatic system that could be causing issues as well, and that it could potentially be genetic. Um, and yeah, there be a lot of things with genetic. At a time, they thought it was that retrograde menstruation that you were talking about, but they really are just kind of taking a stab at it, trying to figure out where it's coming from, because there hasn't been any solid evidence for anything for them to report on, to figure it out. 
But that is one of the theories that they have worked on. But no like concrete evidence as far as how it actually develops at this point. But I did have a friend growing up. Her mom had it and she was very miserable. And now we understand why. But she had it growing on her heart when we were kids. And she had to get that operating on, which is just insane. I learned later on that it can grow on other organs, but it was her lung and her heart that was affected, which is just wild to me. Oh, my goodness. I, I didn't know it could happen. Straction issue. Exactly. You think that it's kind of limited to like the uterine area, but it can really hit you anywhere. It can grow in your brain, too. I've read some studies of that, and that is terrifying. Wow. So so before we dive into your story with endometriosis, let's just give our, our audience here some clues as to how this impacts the daily life. Like this, this causes significant pain and discomfort in women, uh, especially because it interferes with everything, your daily activities, your work, your relationships oftentimes. Um, and it's been even found to lead to things that, you know, are scary things like infertility and reproductive problems. Um, and then not only that, it makes you tired. It causes digestive issues. And so uh, with with all this furthering down, it just creates an absolute hell for those individuals who are trying to fight off mental issues and anxiety and all the other depressive like issues that we deal with now as a nation, particularly after COVID and everything that happened during that time of our social separation. So if you could just dive into how it affected, how did you figure out first that you were diagnosed with it? How did you first start dealing with it and how does it impact your life now? So my exploration, it began in my early 20s. I started to get pretty bad menstrual cramps, but everyone around me was kind of experiencing some pain related to their cycle. You know, we're young women. They tell us that this is normal. So you're just kind of like, okay, I guess this is my body's way of whatever. But I would notice I would go out with my friends. And it's funny, I talk about, I shared this whole story on another podcast that's dropping about my heating pad, my quintessential heating pad that is always with me. This thing just is like that that kid Linus or with his blanket. I don't know. I always have my heating pad with me. And so I'm going to hang out with my friends and I'm like sitting there curled up with my heating pad. They're not questioning me about it. They're just like, oh, that's Meg with her cramps. But I'm like, something is not right here. Like nobody else is experiencing the same thing I'm experiencing. And then I went through a period where I was just self-medicating. I was taking whatever I could get my hands on to just like numb the pain, like tons of ibuprofen, tons of Tylenol, mixing them together. I've taken some friends oxycontins before, which I don't recommend doing, but then oh gets to a point, yeah, where you're just desperate for relief. And then at that point, I was like, okay, something's got to change. I started looking up my symptoms online and it's kind of all over the place. Nothing specifically said endometriosis. When I started my research, there wasn't much out there. And in the past coming the couple of years, actually more information has come out, but I was kind of taking a shot in the dark. But through my research, I joined a bunch of different Facebook groups. I'm talking with all these women and eventually led me to the endometriosis path. And I don't know if you remember Julianne Huff at the time. She was really popular for Dancing with the Stars. She has endometriosis and she started making commercials about it, about endometriosis. And I was like, okay, this is what I'm hearing about and what she's describing. And thank you to Julianne actually matches up with what's going on with me. So I delved into the research further and I started asking questions and it aligned more. So I brought my findings to my doctor and the first the first obstacle when I went to my first doctor with my findings, this was about my mid 20s a couple of years ago. She goes, OK, well, you just have bad menstrual periods. You know, do you want to get on birth control? And I was explaining to her that it, it's more than that. There's more that's going on behind the scenes. When I was on birth control at high school, it made me feel awful. The mood swings. I was rage angry. My poor boyfriend at the time, like he wasn't a stand-up guy, but he did not deserve the level of rage that was coming out of me. And I'm not a rage person either. So I knew like the lines were getting crossed, but I explained to her that that wasn't the path I was interested in. I don't want to band-aid the symptoms. I want to find the root cause of the problem first. So then she prescribed me Prozac. 
I left the office with a prescription for an antidepressant. Oh, my God. Yes. And that made me curl up inside my body. I was filled with anger. I was filled with anxiety and I was filled with confusion because I'm like these doctors that I'm going to. This is what they're telling me I need to do, but it's not right with what's going on with my body. So it kind of put a pause on me wanting to further that research for a while because I was really kind of embarrassed in a way. And I didn't take the Prozac because this woman knew nothing about my lifestyle. She knew nothing about me as a person, like how I live my life. And she just like put this prescription at me. It was really sketchy. Oh, my goodness. Now, not not to knock doctors, but, you know, it's so well, because there, there's two different camps, I feel like there is there's the there's the classic camps of doctors who they diagnose symptoms and they give you a prescription because that's the way they were trained. Um, but I think and there's nothing wrong with that. And, you know, doctors know wonderful things and do wonderful things. But I think we're finally getting into that age where we're getting a lot of younger doctors now who are starting to become a little bit more holistic and a little bit more understanding of better therapeutic approaches, such as physical activity and mental health and all these things. Um, and so it's nice to see that. But it's it's you know, I definitely am like sympathize for you that you had that initial experience. And I can only imagine that that made you frustrated as all hell. It did. And then my symptoms continued to get worse over that time period. Like my ability to walk was becoming affected, like the pains that were shooting down my leg. Like I'm hunched over. I look like I'd been like the hunchback in Notre Dame, like just walking around like Quasimodo <laughs> style, like trying to like get this pain out. And I'm trying to keep my composure. But it started to, to become something that was really not OK. You know, you can't just write these symptoms off. And then uh, fast forward now, about 28, now I'm 29. I started to get these weird hives breaking out all over my body with streaking, running up and down my arms. They thought I had blood poisoning. They thought I might have had um, um, Lyme disease. They were testing me for a bunch of things. I had 15 vials of blood drawn in one time, one city. I was like, oh my God. And they couldn't figure out what was going on. And now we're making correlations between my cycle and like flare ups inside my body. And the final straw for me when I was like, I need the gumption, I need to move forward was we took a trip. Um, We live on the East Coast. We went to New Hampshire, just a cute little weekend away right before New Year's. And I could not walk. I was hunched over this little bedside table that we have. And I can't cry. I have I've been dealing with this for so long. No tears even come out. I'm just gasping for air. And Anthony, thank God, my boyfriend of 10 years has been so wonderful. And he's seen me before all of this started and he deals with it now and he helps me. But He's rubbing my back. He's trying to help me. I couldn't even button my pants because I was so swollen. And the pain was just a level that I had never experienced before that honestly terrified me. You know, you can only take so much. And I consider myself very pain tolerant. But that was the final straw. I was like, this is this is not acceptable. And I no longer invite this into my life. So with that, I found another doctor. And I said, if this doctor doesn't work out, I will go to another and I will go to another and I will go to another until somebody listens to me. Luckily, when I presented everything to my doctor, male doctor this time, all the others were female doctors. And I find that kind of ironic when this is, you know, a female condition. Yeah, that's interesting. It is interesting that I was shoved off. But then he says, yes, this sounds like endometriosis. This is what we're going to do. We're going to approve you for surgery and then we're going to go in for it. And we can talk later on, too, about the two types of surgeries that they have out there. Is this right when I met you last year yeah. that this happened? Or? Yeah, actually, February was my surgery and you and I started working together like the week right before, before that, literally right before that. Yeah, but that was a lovely experience to actually be validated and to schedule surgery like that. Get me on the books. No questions asked, just moving forward. And that kind of gave me a little bit more. Ah, OK. And then there was like, are they going to find it now? Because the only way that you can be diagnosed at the moment, like officially, is through laparoscopic surgery to see that you have it. So there were two emotions running through my body. One was like, they're going to find it. That's awesome. Two, they're not going to find it. Not awesome because I don't know what to do from here. So right. that that kind of led up to the point where I met you. But 
all in all, surgery went well. I actually don't have any scarring, which I'm kind of sad about. I wanted some battle scars. <laughs> That's the beauty of laparoscopic surgery, <laughs> Megan. <laughs> yeah, there might be more coming. But when he came back, he had the x-ray and he's like, we took it off this ovary. We took it off your fallopian tube. We took it off your bladder. We took it off your uterine lining. I'm like, what the hell? Like, I knew it was there, but like, I didn't realize it was everywhere. Makes sense, though, because the left side is more dominant for my pain. And it was like covering my poor ovary. And she still hurts from that. But two polarizing emotions at that moment. OK, great. I have it. Now we can move forward. Second was, OK, great. I have it. Now what? Because I know it's an incurable condition, but it sheds right. some light. And it allowed me to finally be validated. And after the years of feeling the way that I felt, I know all these other women out there feel that same way. To have that moment of clarity, I didn't even care that I was drugged up but on the bed, like disheveled hair, whatever, I had to be wheeled out in a wheelchair. I was good. I was so happy. Oh, my goodness. Now, so now what have been the, the results of the surgery? How did it change things for you? Uh, what trajectory and path do you walk now when it comes to managing your endometriosis? Because it comes back, right? Yeah. And with surgery, like it can come back and it can come back. And that's what's frustrating with a condition like that. Everybody is literally so different. You can't pinpoint what's going to happen. But the first couple of months after surgery, I felt no differences whatsoever. And I will also say two days after surgery, I got my period. And I'm like, are we kidding? I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Like, we have to deal with all of this together. I remember I sent you the meme of the, the person in the house that was like, on fire and everything. Is this, fine. Is fine. <laughs> this is fine. <laughs> this is fine. <laughs> but the first couple of months, it was kind of defeating in a sense, because I'm like, OK, well, if we have the surgery, you should be feeling better after it. And I had what's called excision surgery. They offer you two options, excision and ablation. Excision is the gold standard because it's actually cutting the scar tissue out. Ablation just burns the scar tissue, which causes more scar tissue. So I don't even know why that's still a thing out there, but that is... Oh and yeah, that is a no-no, especially once you're in these groups and you read about it. You want to make sure you're very clear about communicating the type of surgery you want. Unfortunately, modern medicine hasn't quite caught up with the insurance that excision is covered by all insurances, but they'll cover ablation, which is a really messed up situation. But first couple months, no sense whatsoever because you're just creating more scar tissue, maybe so that you can keep going back for more surgeries. Maybe they can get paid more. I don't know. Conspiracy theory, tinfoil hat for another day. But first couple months, not really feeling that much of a change. And that was really defeating in a sense. But I knew like it's only been a couple months. Some people heal faster than others. I was at the gym the next day, just walking, mind you. But I was back to squatting that week. I got to move. But it was all good. Um, I would say about six or seven months is when I finally started to notice that my nighttime habits, they were improving. I would usually wake up about, you'll, you'll hate this with your sleep and your dissipation, but like four to five times per night, like every hour, like in pain, like unable to get sleep because I'd have to go rub out a cramp. I'd have to go like bite down on something to like try and like grit through the pain. And now I'll wake up like once during the night and I don't really have to get out of bed. I just kind of shift around, just kind of like massage a little bit. And that's a lot more tolerable, which isn't a desirable choice either, but it's much better than it was before. So I'm recognizing that. That's um, I haven't had any more weird streaking or swelling. I'll send you some pictures just between you and I, but it, that was really scary. But yeah, it's been a good year now. I did have a really bad fluke of a month last month. I don't know why, just trying to kind of monitor that. Yeah, absolutely. Fatigue could barely keep my eyes open. I was in agony, like I hadn't felt that way in a while, but I'm just staying optimistic and just hoping that it can just be a fluke, a one-off sometimes our hormones are doing stuff that we don't understand, but I'm staying the course, I'm staying really positive. You know, last month wasn't as bad as that one. So 
I definitely think there's more healing to be done. I, I need to do more things. I have a um, comprehensive hormone test that we're going to get results from to see more of that. I also I'm looking forward to that. Me too. And I can see now my body temperature at times where I'm flaring up and when I'm in pain versus when I'm not. So I'm getting a lot of insight there as well. It's going to be a lifelong thing, but I'm happy that I can go through this and be vocal about it and share and not be afraid to talk about this because there are other people that are in that discovery phase or that are too nervous to speak up. So I'm at least happy that I can do something with it, you know? That's, you know, you're you're awfully inspiring, Megan, because a lot of times, and you can relate this to a lot of difficulty or challenging moments that people have in their lives, and this just showcases your own personal true grit and your your absolute willingness and determination to figure shit out. <laughs> and- you know, I have this one body and it's a coach mentality that I want to treat it right. But like, you can't just live your, your life this way. It, it's right. It's so- and it, it makes me, it makes me think how many women that were, that are in were or are in your position who didn't have the power to vocalize what it is that they were going for to try to figure their shit out. And they just deal with it. Um, like, and how crazy that is. And just to accept it, like it, who knows if they even understood the whole ablation thing and the differences between the surgeries or just accepting infertility and all these other things when there could be things out there and you continue to push to figure shit out. And I'm, that's just super, super admirable. And I hope that our audience sees that, that then that only applies to your journey with endometriosis, but all other aspects of challenges life yeah life so and I, I think that's super inspiring and what i'd like to do is keep with the theme of endometriosis but then i want to loop around back afterwards and i want you to give your ultimate takes of overcoming these challenges um and what your strategies are for just ruling your life the best that we can but with us being on uh endometriosis let's dive through now what are some of the main types of approaches we can take to help manage the conditions how can we improve quality of life and then let's go over some of the new strategies that I, I showed you earlier and what might is it's up and coming in the science. Um, and so first we'll still, we'll touch with just like the three different approaches, medication, surgery, and lifestyle. And so when it comes to medications, of course, you've got pain relievers, you've got hormonal therapies and other medications to reduce inflammation. What was your experience with those? And do you still you rely on medications? Yeah, my, my black market drug dealings to try and get medications. Yeah, I am just... <laughs> I've done the ibuprofen for so many years. I think that I've just hit a point where it, it's just not working for me anymore. But I do find more relief with CBD products. Actually, one of my favorite companies is Seventh Sense, and I've been using them forever. And they reached out to me last year if I wanted to be an affiliate. And I was so excited because their products have really, really helped me. But look into your CBD products. I have found that to be easier on the body. And then you can kind of take more of that and not worry about your liver. But there were times I was just dry swallowing like three or four ibuprofen that once can't imagine. But yeah, and then my mom, she's a med tech. I had asked her, how can I use ibuprofen and Tylenol and how do I mix all this? So she gave me some instructions on how to do that. But I, I'm one of those people that I would just rather sit there in my pain than try and take the ibuprofen because I worry about my liver after so long. And that's that's what I was about to make that point. Yeah, it because makes it's- me nervous. You know, I'll- not only that, we know now that when people rely way too much on NSAIDs and, and, and those anti-inflammatories, that those also blunt the inflammation response to adaptation exercise. And so if you're trying to make progress in the gym and only to get through the workout, you have to pop three or four Advil. That's actually going to reduce the overall inflammation response that sends the signal to the body to grow. And so it becomes very, very difficult to make progress in the right direction, though. Hell yeah. And there's even research now that's coming out that's saying that endometriosis 
pharmacist, there are connections between that and like liver and like liver detoxification. So I'm 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 concerned about my liver health in the short time. So I don't want to overdo it with medication and I don't want to villainize medication at all. I've just been through it with no help and I've found better avenues. You know, CBD has definitely helped and things of lifestyle like stress management. Stress is a huge like flare of uh, something that causes a flare up. And you could have a time in your cycle where you wouldn't be flared up. But if you have a stressful moment, that can send that response in your body and it can create a flare up. And the fact that you created it yourself, you're like, oh, my God, I did this to myself. I can't do this anymore. (laughs) So stress, stress is a huge one. Finding ways to manage your stress. And luckily, that's something that I've been great with handling. But that is a huge like something that affects you, you know, managing your stress and you know very well with your sleep, you need to be getting quality sleep so that your body can recover. Now with my aura ring, I was seeing like during my painful days, like I'm getting like a 51% for readiness and like a 50% for my sleep score. So like when you can get your quality sleep, do everything that you can because it will give your body the best chance to fight it. And then diet is huge. You know, anti-inflammatory is a route that you can take. There is a diet called the endo diet, and it's basically like an elimination diet where you kind of start from scratch and you don't have any inflammatory foods. For me, I've been at this for a while now, so I can kind of notice what will trigger me and what won't. Like luckily, gluten isn't a trigger of mine, but for many women, it is that have this condition. Um, Dairy as well. I'm not huge into dairy. Greek yogurt is probably the only thing that I have with dairy, but I do avoid that the week before my period when I would be in the luteal phase, which is my pain phase. I try to mitigate everything that would cause me. You know, high fiber is good. Berries are great for inflammation. Fiber is great for inflammation. So finding things in your diet, anything that you can control, take control of it. It will give you a sense of empowerment and it will just allow you to feel like you're you're making a difference in the body. You know, anything you can do. I love those. And I'm glad that you said cannabis because that's actually one of the new therapeutic approaches that I have on this list that they're starting to research because the, and there's, I know Kayla's going to love this uh, because, you know, she's big on talking about CBD. There's a lot of people in our community who talk about using CBD and there is just, there's a lot of evidence that shows it's anti-inflammatory effects um, that are just so, so beneficial. I'll tell you that I smoke weed every day. I'm an adult. It's okay. I depend on my time before I go to bed. You know, it is what it is with it because I have pain and I like it. But both. You know. Now I would. Now I'm gonna. I'm gonna be your coach here for a second. <laughs> <laughs> you THC is not the element that helps us here. It's the CBD. It's and so CBD. It, if if you can get CBD, then I'm all for that. But if you're smoking pot, I'm gonna come down. Because I'm not having the munchies. I'll eat some fruit and then I'll go to bed. I'm responsible. Now, when it comes to THC, we do know that it is terrible for sleep um, and other things as well. But that's another episode. We could dive into that. (laughs) Um, So I'm not telling anyone to smoke pot over here, but CBD for sure does have powerful analgesic properties. Um, It does help with inflammation and it does even show neuroprotective effects with individuals with endometriosis. It can be really potent there. Um, Now, this is probably the coolest one that I think you'll find interesting, Megan. Um, It is autophagy has been found to be a new strategy to potentially limit the growth of these cells. Um, And so um, what it talks about is how I'm going to get really, really scientific on you here (laughs) because it was done on rats. And so and what the what the experimental rat model looked at is 
what if we assess the effects of autophagy and mitophagy to try and decrease the proliferation of these damaged mitochondria that could be resulting in the overgrowth of these cells in the progression and development of endometriosis. And so if, if just to give a little lesson on what autophagy is for our audience, autophagy is basically the process your body goes through to clear out damaged or to recycle old cells. Um, and so when we if we look at two major ways to do this in the human body, we see it doing via calorie restriction, and then here's going to be a big one for everybody, fasting has been found to also upregulate autophagy in the body. And so when they, now the researchers did it in a way that it was inhibiting these processes directly in rats. And so it's a little bit different, a little bit different. They did see that they did have benefits with reducing the rates of these growth of these cells in these rats. Um, but the problem is, is the rate of, I guess what they were saying, when they did the transplantation, the pathogenesis is very different in rats than it would be for humans. And so we are seeing good things happen in these rat models with the increase in autophagy, but now we have to test it in human models to see if it would work the exact same. But it could illuminate certain other pathways that doing things such as fasting um, or utilizing time-restricted methods could be beneficial for individuals with endometriosis. Huge research gap that needs to be researched specifically in this population. So that could be something that could have a lot, especially because we know that when you do restrict restrict your eating schedule, light schedule, exercise, and you keep your circadian rhythms normal like that, that that can also reduce inflammatory uh, inflammatory effects, um, which could be very, very beneficial for endometriosis. Yeah, I'm familiar a little bit with the fasting aspect of it, but I haven't done enough research to be able to speak knowledgeably on it. But that is something that I have heard about fasting. And now, so we know with now I want to ask you when it comes to your approaches with physical activity, do you find that fitness helps with your symptoms? Yeah, it totally does. Weight training is what is up. You know, actually, my journey was to put on some healthy weight. And I do believe that that has helped me in the long run. You know, my body gets to a place of homeostasis, but not overdoing the cardio. So I'm not adding adrenal fatigue on top of everything and adding stressors to my body. Like, it's really fun because I feel strong and I love picking up the weights. But the science says that it is good for your body, too. So it's a win-win there. I do notice there are certain times, though, when exercise, it can just cause me more pain in my body like the cramps they're just more painful and some people say it helps and some people it doesn't i'm just one of those but through learning more about my body my ultimate goal is to find an approach where it's like during this phase of my cycle this is the type of training i'll do and during this phase this is the type that i'll do to work with it instead of against it because i i've been someone who has always pushed through things and it's good mentally but not always physically so i'm trying to find that nice balance where i can still serve my body but serve my body in a way that's beneficial for it but absolutely weight training other than one week of the month weight training is the way to go for me and i, love I absolutely love i love that you just said that you choose specific types of training at, pers- at specific times in your cycle because we know that when you push your ass and you do get yourself into through progressive overload, getting stronger, really going at a high intensity, that that's beneficial for so many aspects of your body, gaining muscle, strength, improving your cardiovascular system. But then when you go through that certain phase, then that's when it's more appropriate to use recovery forms of cardiovascular exercise. Because we know that the lighter forms of intensity reduce inflammation, improve cardiovascular circulation, and also help with recovery. Like I'll tell this to people why you have to do varying intensities of cardiovascular training. You gotta do both zone two and zone five cardio. You can't just do steady state. You can't just do hit. You gotta do both because they're different energy systems. And if we want to improve how the body reacts to inflammation later on, 
making us more resilient for building strength, but then also being able to take away inflammation through when we're going through hell, then that's when our lower intensities can be really beneficial. And I think that's a great tip for all those out there who are dealing with endometriosis and still want to maintain higher levels of fitness and still be active. And I just want to say it doesn't make you a failure if you can't do a certain type of training and a certain type of your cycle. It's actually making you a stronger individual because you're noting this is what my body needs and I'm choosing to honor that. For me, that was a tough thing to grasp mentally because I always want to be go, go, go. And maybe there's some kind of beauty in this condition that I had that it's teaching me these lessons to slow down and listen, you know. Now, while we're on the particular quality of life improvement with fitness, um, the, there is when I was when I was doing research into this and look, pulling up all the meta analyses, it was actual uh, pelvic floor exercises that were recommended yeah. as well. Um, so doing things like such as Kegels, reverse Kegels, and hey, even guys should be doing their Kegels <laughs> because we, we become so we become so uh, inefficient with our core musculature and our and our gluteal muscles because we're sedentary and we lose a lot of that pelvic floor function. I also find that there's a lot of relationship between poor pelvic floor function and the TRA or transverse abdominis. And when you don't have great strength or motor control of those vital core musculature, just endometriosis aside, anyone has issues getting into proper posture, getting into proper positions for functionality during their exercises, that that could cause pain for anybody. So what has been your experience using pelvic floor exercise in specific regards to endometriosis? I haven't actually gotten as far as I would like to with the pelvic floor exercises. That was something that was introduced to me maybe about two years ago. So yoga was kind of like my practice, but I haven't been specifically like seeing a pelvic floor specialist and it's on my list to get covered by insurance at some point. We'll see how that goes. But I have listened to testimonials and there are people that said that it has definitely made a difference, um, especially because your body's so used to like cramping up that can help you. Like your yep. muscles can get loosened, you can stretch and it's not as intense. So it's something that I would like to explore. I just haven't quite got there yet. Yep. It, it can support the uterus specifically and reduce that pelvic plane. If you pelvic plane pain, <laughs> that, why am I thinking of planes? <laughs> um, but, uh, but anyway, um, and that, uh, that goes for everyone should do that type of therapy. And that's probably something that would also be very beneficial for individuals who are also trying to get pregnant who are dealing with this disease. Um, and so Further on from fitness, we know that that's, that's all great. I want to jump into nutrition now and touch again on anti-inflammatory diets. And it's not, you know, it's funny because I talk to so many different people who think they're eating healthy foods. And when they do things such as, oh, well, I'm going gluten-free and I'm doing this and I'm getting gluten-free products. And I have to tell them just because you're gluten-free doesn't mean <laughs> that you are eating foods that are anti-inflammatory. Because oftentimes just the fact that it's processed, especially gluten-free, means it's more inflammatory based off of the shit they put into it. Right. Uh, you have to find more things to compensate for the lack of gluten. You should read these ingredients, like 30, 40 ingredients long. It's wild. Yeah. And so I've been recommending to more and more people now goes when you're choosing an, an anti-inflammatory diet, you almost have to go paleo with this, you know, old school CrossFit approaches uh, where you're doing nothing but eating things like potatoes, rice, you know, you're staying away from the grains, um, you're staying away from a imbalance of omega sixes to omega threes. And so when it comes to our healthy fats are super important. Olive oil becomes your best friend. Uh, I like a Mediterranean style diet. Yep, it's very that, good. Fresh. I recommend that for everybody, even people without endometriosis. Um, yeah. And because so many people don't understand, uh, the, they think that they offset all the processed foods and going out to eat by eating a fish oil, fish oil pill. 
when that's not enough at all. <laughs> and unfortunately, what a lot of people don't understand is most fish oil supplements don't have the degree of omega-3 you would need to offset the amount of omega-6 and 9s that are in your diet full processed foods. But most fish oils are also rancid and you're not getting any omega from them anyway. Um, and so it becomes very detrimental on you to think, oh, I'm taking two little fish oil pills a day that's going to offset all the uh, meat going out to, you know, Texas Roundhouse every night, having excessive amounts of saturated fats in my diet. I'm going to be good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> so I wanted to get into now what they're looking into with other forms of nutrition with certain plant therapy options. They call it phytotherapy. And just, which is just looking at other nutritional supplements that we could use, such as curcumin, which we know is really, really high on the anti-inflammatory list. It it makes a goddamn mess. Um, it totally <laughs> does. It literally like, it's like a pumpkin came out of nowhere and vomited on you orange everywhere. So like your paint, yeah. I remember when I would, I, I, I go through phases of putting it into my foods, especially my protein shakes. And I never know enough to do it during COVID. You know, I would take it out and I put it in. I wouldn't notice it stains your fingertips. And when you, when you're not noticing and you touch your clothes and then all of a sudden you, it goes through the wash and you pull it out and you're like, go under my clothes. Why, why do I have orange spots everywhere? It's the curcumin. <laughs> um, but curcumin has been well researched to have a significant anti-inflammatory effects and it's really, really helpful for you. Um, you just have to make sure you get it from the right sources when it comes to eating curcumin. So I usually just get it straight um, from and supplemental form. Yeah. With that being said, resveratrol is another element that people are looking at for phytotherapy. Now back up people with the with the wine because you know people say, oh, I could just drink a bottle of red wine. Okay, all my resveratrol that will help me. No, you give it in. They're taking a mile. <laughs> it, and so uh, because we know that there's so many you know issues with alcohol, then that will cause inflammation and potential for flare-ups. I find with individuals endometriosis or just people in general. I mean, I'm at that point now where I have any type of alcoholic beverage and I turn into the state puff marshmallow, man. Like I literally look like a different person. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. like when you look at drinker anymore, you know, I admit neither am I. And I, you know, I enjoy them very much. You know, my significant other, we love that stuff. You know, we like apple wine, you know, margaritas, you know, it's fun. Um, but I got to the point where I was just like, I just can't do this anymore. It's, it's just too much. And I, I like, I laugh because when we had the Evolve Gianza, um, Kayla and I and Jen and Ian, we had a blast. I loved being with those guys. Um, but you can see the differences in the way that our bodies changed in 72 hours. From the beginning, we're all like lean and like, yeah, fit. look how long my face is. And then after two nights of sleep deprivation and drinking, literally, stay up marshmallow, man. Like, it looked completely different. All from binge training. Um, and so it just shows you the inflammation on a physical level, what happens to your body. And it's just not oh, for sure. Um, and so and we could talk all day about the different types of antioxidants we can consume. Herba mate is one of my favorites that I drink daily. That's great for that. Um, it's almost three times as potent as drinking green tea. The problem with it though, is it's much stronger on the caffeine levels. Um, and so when it comes to that, but caffeine itself can also be a trigger of inflammation. I was just about to say that. Yeah. <laughs> If people aren't careful. And so, and I mean, I, how <laughs> guilty, I, I'm, I'm doing my dissertation. So I've been probably hawking well over 600 milligrams of caffeine. It's not good for you. Um, but it's, it's I've got so much going on. Um, but just I, to my coffee drinkers, I say, keep it in moderation to the best that you possibly can. Um, there's one more advanced uh, therapeutic approach I want to get into before we sum things up, Megan, and get to 
back to your personal approach to life. And that's immunotherapy. It's been something that research has been looking into too, um, where they actually, this is cool because this is something I've never seen them do before is modulate the immune system in order to prevent or treat disease. And so what they've been targeting specifically in patients with endometriosis is TNF-alpha. And we know that TNF-alpha is a major indicator of inflammation and stress on the body. And when TNF-alpha levels are high, they can look at CRP too. CRP is another huge reactive protein that increases in the body when we, we have higher levels of inflammation. And so what they're doing is one of the targets being TNF-alpha is they're looking at ways to inhibit it. Um, and by potentially lowering and reducing inflammation and angiogenesis, which results in the tissue invasion during endometriosis. And so if they can control that, then they can potentially control the side effects and long-term effects of endometriosis. But it's still, there's looking into this and it's still really, really early in the basis. This, this has a lot to do with what we discussed initially with the, uh, with the autophagy with the rats. Um, very, very similar to that science. So stay tuned because this is all stuff that is brand new and science changes every single day. Um, yeah. I'm not sure how far it's gotten in legislation, but I know they were trying to make it so that endometriosis could be classified as a disability or as somebody who is immunocompromised, but I don't know how far it's gotten, which makes me sad but hopeful so they're they're working on it and so this is one of the biggest things just to kind of wrap up when it comes to fitness nutrition and just your daily behaviors and you've already mentioned things like stress management it being absolutely huge um and i think the best way to manage anxiety and depression especially and this has been working with every person that i work with that evolved is learning how to control your nervous system you know, you got to learn how to keep yourself out of that fight or flight because that's that's the problem why we're overthinking, we're overly anxious all the time, we're not getting enough sleep, we're programmed to be completely reactive to these devices all day long. You know, we're not giving our nervous system a chance to just settle out and shut up and sit down. <laughs> you think it too much. Like, I, you know, and I, I primarily work with women, and damn it, damn it, do I love you guys. <laughs> but, you know, with. When, 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 when I work with you all so much and then you all say the same things as far as not being able to get sleep and not being able to rest, I get it. Many of you have children and that is a large, large source of stress. Um, but you know, it's, you've got to manage the stress, got to. And the best way we can do that is doing some sort of meditation, some sort of breath work and just learning how to slow down. And I think men too, men are guilty. I think we all just don't know how to slow down anymore. And that's a big, big problem. We got to find stillness. We spend too much time overly stressed out. Our body is wired to think that a bear is chasing after us when really now the bear is (laughs) the amount of emails I have to send. It's our cell phones and it it causes the same level of stress. Uh, And so I think in this, I think you're going to identify with this too. I think something really important for individuals with endometriosis is manage your stress, but also keep a diary every day. That way you can figure out personally what is your trigger. Because one of the things that I just learned from you is it's different for every person different for every woman uh and so that way you can figure out what your patterns are what your specific triggers are and then manage your particular disease for your body so that you can have the best quality of life yeah something that i like to say is that it's not your fault but it is your responsibility to deal with it you know that can be a harsh reality but that's just the way it is if you want a better quality of life you have to be responsible and you have to do these shitty things or sorry but you have to do these crappy things to help you <laughs> to help you grow it's just it is what it is it's your responsibility whether or not you want to take that on 
And Megan, you're you're one of the hardest workers I have ever known, and it's been an absolute blast working with you at Evolve, and I brag about you nonstop. And so what I'd like you to do now is being someone who has gone through the challenge, not only of endometriosis, but just living life and being a badass coach and CEO of your own business, can you take our audience through some of the principles by which you live by that help keep you pushing forward, embracing challenge, and building grit. How it, what is it that keeps you going and what are the strategies that you've used to overcome challenge? Oh, thank you for saying that. I also love being here in Evolve. I love everybody here. It's been such a treat. Um, yeah, as far as um, moving forward in life, mindset is huge. You know, your body can quit or your mind will quit. I don't know how the saying goes. I don't, but your mindset is very, it's very important. You know, I did like a lot of... Um, death of ego work when I first started to build my business to know that I can kind of handle obstacles and to not get too bent out of shape with things. But I would have to say that my mindset is my strongest weapon. Now, every day is not going to be a win. And I understand that, but it's learning how to navigate life and tackle obstacles and just having a fresh outlook and knowing how to handle things. So everything else that comes with it, like, yes, I can go to the gym and work out my frustration. That's awesome. But if I'm not right in here, it's kind of just going through the motions of life in the gym. So as far as like day to day life, I just need to check in with my mindset, you know, eat as healthy as I possibly can and give it the best go and go to bed at the end of the day, knowing that I tried my hardest, that I gave it my all, you know, and I will know if I didn't give it my all, I will not be very happy with myself. So I really like to lay it out on the table, but. I'm just just myself. I always want to be who I am, my weird ass self and give it a and go and see control in my mood. I, I need to call you out on your goofy side because you you posted your Nashville stuff the past couple of days. And I remember watching one of these videos of you dancing with your friend. And I was just like, oh, dear God, like, do they do they do all girls do this? Like, it makes me want to call it like. So what I call up my girlfriend is, is this why I can't come to your dance practice? Is, is this is this what happens? Are you doing what Megan Cook does? <laughs> Are you feeling dope? I thought it was the fact that you can be undeniably you and not give a shit. That is the most strongest superpower in the world. And I absolutely love that because it's people who are afraid to be themselves that never reach the potential. Yeah, that's it. Just get your mind right. Everything else will follow along with it, you know. And then you look that you had a blast at that Nashville trip. I did. And I really, like I said, I'm not a big drinker. We were there for five days. I had two drinks in that whole time out and then like one glass of champagne like the whole time because I don't even want to put my body through that. I don't even need the alcohol to go out and sing my heart out and dance and just have a great time. Travel can be a source of inflammation for me. So I try to just when I'm there, not do things that would cause me inflammation. And that's how I, I love to travel. Megan, I love that. For for many people who were in your position when your journey with endometriosis first started, who are lost, confused, down on themselves. What is it that you would say to them to help them climb out of that hole and get back onto a better path? Don't be afraid to lean on others. Don't be afraid to seek out help and seek out support. You know, there are so many groups out there now. You can send a message to Evolve. You can send a message to me. Like, look for your sources of support to cheer you on. Don't be afraid. If your doctor doesn't listen to you, go find another doctor. You know, don't feel like you're dismissed and what you're saying is not valid speak up. Don't be afraid. You know, I wish I had a little bit more of that gumption early on in my life to take that on, but I'm here now and I want to be able to help the younger versions of myself get there. So just don't be afraid. And if you don't know what to do, just reach out. We got you. We got your back. 
I love that. Megan, before we get into my final question, can you please provide our audience with your contact information, who you are, what your business is, and what populations that you try to work with and give value to on a daily basis? How can they find you? Yeah, online, I am at, it's all one word, at the princess of protein. My 22-year-old self made it up and I'm going to keep it (laughs) right now. I I I work primarily with females who are looking to build strength and to actually put on healthy weight. Not limited to that. We actually have a good male client basis, which is funny. They download the princess protein app. They're like, yeah, I don't care. They do their workouts, but primarily focus on females that would like to build up their glute muscles, shrink their waist, and just overall have that strength and not worry about being the smallest version of themselves. So at the Princess of Protein, my website's under construction. It's getting tweaked. It will be launched officially next month. So that will be up and running. But um, what else did you ask? Did I forget anything? That was it, right? Your Instagram handle, email, all that good stuff. And then lastly, my final question that I asked to everyone who comes through here on the Evolved Athlete Podcast, if you had one quote that you could use as a message to send to the world about how to live the best life possible or how to just be the best version of themselves possible, what quote would you choose and why? Oh, it's my favorite quote, actually. And my friend Carly, she drew like it. She put it up on like this nice wooden board for me. But for things to change, I have to change. And for things to get better, I have to get better. Oh, and yes, everyone, she just did a dance to show that. <laughs> I do. That that's honestly one of the most beautiful messages and conveys to everyone importance of that self leadership. And it's been an absolute pleasure knowing Megan Cook. You all, I can definitely tell you, she's been one of the absolute best. I've never seen, I've never not seen a smile on this woman's face. Um, and so just to show that she still shows grit and can still smile and laugh at herself at the end of the day, but all the hell that she goes through, that's definitely a great leader that we all can learn from. You should have seen me yesterday, but yes, overall. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why we're human beings. Megan, it's been an absolute blast having you on the podcast. Thank you so much for your time. I hope to have you back again sometime soon. For all of you, those listening to Megan, please, please give her a shout. Please get a look at her. We have our contact. We'll have our contact information in this episode. So you guys can look at more information for all other information related to Evolve. Please be sure to listen to the outro. If you like this episode, please make sure you give it a like, give it a subscribe, give it a view, what, give it a review, whatever you want to do just to help spread the word that Evolve is trying to change by. We'll see you in the next episode. I've been Coach B. Coach B's out. Megan, say goodbye. Thank you for letting me share my story. We'll talk later. Bye-bye, everyone. Thank you. You want to work with us and becoming the best version of yourself? Be sure to check our coaching application down in the bio to get more information about how to get the best in fitness and nutrition coaching from the Evolve Coaches. Be sure to check out all of our information and great content we put out every single day on our Instagram and our Facebook group. Be sure to check us out on EvolveHealthAndPerformance.com for more information and keep tuning in to the Evolved Athlete Podcast for the best in everything fitness, nutrition, and becoming the best version of yourself. We'll see you in the next one. Evolve Team out. Yeah.